Now, as we share together today, this is really what we call a standalone Sunday. We often do series here, but today simply is about really last year, uh, this coming year, how we engage that as people of faith, really what we're about. Scripture text you heard read today says something about that. I'll say more about it in a moment, but I want to give you an illustration to begin. Uh, We've been around long enough to remember when we bought our very first computer when computers were brand new, personal computers were. And we bought, because uh, we had a friend who worked for IBM, uh, we bought a portable IBM computer. It weighed about 50 pounds. <laughs> it had an amber screen uh, about this big around, uh, a dot matrix printer, uh, and it was out of date by the time I put my hand on the thing. We didn't know why we bought it. We thought we needed it. We really didn't use it very much because it didn't do much. As time progressed, we changed that. But one thing I've learned, and I'm not a computer expert, but I know what makes computers really work is their operating system. And really historically, one of the biggest, con- one of the biggest really, uh, uh, you know, conflicts or struggles or competition was whose operating system was going to win when it comes to all this processes. Uh, you have Java and Lotus and DOS. I'm not a computer expert if I'm wrong. You know I'm wrong. Uh, these are computer systems. But Windows, of course, most of you have heard about Windows 7, 8, and it keeps on going with the Windows operating. But you have to have an operating system or it doesn't work. You can have the computer. You can have its potential. You can have all its memory and its ability, but it doesn't accomplish anything without a operating system. It requires that to actually function as computers need to. And again, I'm speaking as not a non-expert, but I believe I'm right about that basic concept. Now hear me with the illustration. The operating system for the Christian life is, drumroll, is faith. It is faith. And my claim is most Christians do not or do they know how to live by faith. They know what they believe. They know how they practice their religion. They have understandings about how they should live as a Christian, but they don't really have a life undergirded or on the operating system of faith. Live on their own resources or their own understandings, their own patterns or habits. And for too many, their operating system is simply fear. And I believe that. I'm convinced of that. I I see how in our culture, when things happen that cause people to be afraid, how they respond in fear and not faith. I see it all the time. You see it too. Or they live by an operating system called anxiety or worry. That's their really functioning operating system. Fear, anxiety, worry. Some, it's just plain old greed is their operating system. Some, it is uh, addictions. It's how they operate. It's how they function. It's how their life rolls. Some, it's anger. Some, it's simply selfishness. Some, it's pleasure-seeking. You can name the terms as well as I can. Their operating system is not faith. It's anything but. And that's how they operate. Few Christians, I believe, this is my own claim, know how to live by faith. When the crisis comes, they try to dredge it up. They try to manufacture it. They learn, want to learn real quickly how to do it. And often it's not there for them and they fail and they fall short. We're talking about faith today as what I hope will be our guide, my guide, your guide, our guide for the year to come and certainly beyond that. 
Now, the Hebrews text you heard read today was written the first to the Hebrew church, which was a church, what we call, of the dispersion. Uh, the church had been around since Christ's resurrection for more than a generation at this writing. It had grown rapidly around all the Roman Empire. Many had come from the pagan world and had come to Christ. Many turned from the Jewish world and had believed in Christ as the Messiah. They were now part of the church in Rome, Corinth, Ephesus, Galatia, Jerusalem, all around the Roman Empire, and they'd grown rapidly. But as the generation had gone by, they discovered something about being a Christian, and that was, this is hard. It doesn't always happen the way that we want. They also began experiencing persecution. It wasn't popular to be a Christian in the first century, especially toward the end of the first century, and actual persecution by government entities begin to happen. The Roman Empire began to persecute people. Point of imprisonment, taking what they had. Life was hard for Christians. And they were tempted, we're told in Hebrews, to give up and quit and say, enough of this Jesus stuff. We're going to go back to our pagan world, our Jewish, very simple religion world, and abandon this following Jesus stuff. And they were quitting book is written to encourage them to continue in their journey and not to give up and to hang in there in their faith. The Bible says we walk by faith and not by sight. Again, I think most Christians don't know how to do that. It also says in Hebrews chapter 11, now faith is the assurance of things we hope for. The conviction or evidence of things that we don't see. God our salvation, heaven coming, the Holy Spirit, a life lived as a follower of Jesus Christ. And there are four things in this passage that I believe, and I'm simply taking from the text, these four ideas, sharing them with you in a succinct way we can grab hold of, that I think first the passage is saying. Number one, it says this. It says that, uh, that what we're looking for is a relationship with Jesus Christ. As you look at that, I want to go back to a, a survey our church did some years ago. It's called the Reveal Survey. And we asked, many in our church, everybody in our church is asked to do that, and hundreds did that for us. And we asked, what do you want, basically? Which is the title of the message today, what do you want? Uh, and there were four things that they, people we singled out that we want. And what we wanted, number one was a relationship with Jesus Christ. Number one, we want a life of faith. We want a life of walking with the Lord. We want to experience the Lord Christ in my life. I want to know, I want him to know me. I want to walk as a, that's my number one thing that I want. So that's what we said we wanted. Number two, we said, we want to learn the Bible more in depth. This is what you said. I mean, you could have said anything, uh, for those who were here back then, there are many choices you could have made. You could have said, I want a new car, <laughs> you know. You could have said, I want to have lots of money. You could have said, I want a peaceful world. You could have said, oh, but no, you said, I want to learn the Bible more. I want to learn it more in depth. I want to engage the Scripture in, in a deep, thorough way, probably like I don't at this time, but I want that. And we're having a new year, right? 2015, new beginnings. Third thing we said was, we want to grow in our prayer life. 
We want to have more prayer. We want, to, we want to pray more. We want to experience God personally more. We want Jesus to touch our heart more. We want to, God to work in our life more. We want to know God better. This is what we said we What do you want? Well, you want to pray more. You want the Bible more. You want to walk with Christ more. And the fourth thing we said was, we want to teach our children faith as well. We want our kids to also engage faith. Our children, our young people, the world we live in, even beyond that. So there are the four things. There are other things as well, but those are the primary major focuses that we said we want for our lives. We want for our uh, journey, our existence, our experience, the years God gives us, however many years it is, this is what we want. Now, how is it going for you? How is it working? Uh, how have you experienced these things in your own life, whether you were here or not? are new in the church, new in the faith, or still thinking about faith, how is it working so far? Now, I want to give you a second illustration. Uh, bear me out with this one. Some of you may have heard these things before, but I think it speaks to the message in a clear way to you as it does to me. Uh, but uh, for 20 years, I, uh, my therapy exercise-wise was lifting weights. I liked doing it. Did it for a long time, beginning about 40 years of age. Went to the gym uh, two or three times a week and just lifted weights. Now, what I discovered early on about me personally, my physiology, my genetics is that it was easy for me to do. Lifting heavy weights was easy to build up to being able, it's the way I'm shaped. I don't know what it is, but I could lift heavy. I could bench press a lot of weight without too much training or effort. It was easy for me to do. Uh, when I, the year that I decided to slow down lifting heavy weights, I actually went to a trainer to learn how to drop heavy weights and do something different exercise-wise. But, but I, I, I could at that time, which was only about three years ago, still lift 360 pounds on a bench press. For those who know what that means, it's a lot of weight. Um, I, my, uh, the, the, the guy that owned the gym I would go to told me this story. He said that I had some uh, people come up to me and say, who is that old ball guy with the gray hair in the back there? Who is that guy? We saw him put weights on the bar, and we were worried that he was going to drop it on himself. We thought we should help him, and then they said, we couldn't help him anyway. It was too much. Then he lifted it 10 times. Uh, so that's, I could lift 315 pounds five times, but it wasn't hard. So I'm not bragging. It wasn't hard to do. It wasn't that, wasn't that big of a deal to get to where I could do that in my life. I physically could do that easily. I had, hear me now, I had an inclination to be able to do that without much work. It was easy. Now, three years ago, I decided to start running. I've been doing it now for three years as of December 31st. Three years. And I discovered I have no inclination for running long distances. It's the hardest thing I've ever done, but I'm too stubborn to quit. So I'm running a marathon at the end of this month because I'm going to do it if it kills me. And it does mine. It is hard. I am slow. I'm the old slow runner out there watching kids beat me. Ran with my, my granddaughter, 14 years old. I said, said to my granddaughter, I want you to run with me the first three miles and you go on your own the rest three miles. Just the first three miles, stay with me, then take off, which is what she did. It's that hard to do. I have no inclination to do it. Okay? We are inclined to live like the culture and world around us. It's natural for us. It's not hard to do. 
It's not hard to follow the world's rules that I live in. That's easy to do. It's simply easy to fall into the easy, easy chair of, of, of fear and anxiety and the things that naturally drive human beings. Humanity easily finds itself afraid, are worrying, are greedy, are selfish, are in addictions. It's natural for us. We don't do anything. That's what's going to happen. We have an inclination. It's very human to live like that. It's really supernatural to live by faith. We have no inclination to do it. It is hard work to sacrifice, give, love, forgive, live holy, live by faith. It is hard to have faith in God as our operating system for our lives. Faith in Jesus Christ for the way we choose to live. Engaging Scripture, engaging God in prayer, it is tough. It will always be tough. It will never be easy. It will be work the last time you do it and the first time you do it. Say, God, I trust you in this thing I have no control over. I trust you in this decision that may not turn out the way that I might want. I trust you in living by faith and not in fear, by faith and not anxiety, faith and not the addiction I've dealt with such a long time, and to give those things up and to follow the uniqueness of faith in that way. We want the easy chair of life. Faith is a hard road. We have no inclination for it because we're human. It takes time on our needs, time with the book, time in worship, and an absolute commitment and dedication. I ran eight miles yesterday. I've got to run a lot, around 20 miles sometime this week. I'm not going to be able to run a I know it. I don't want to. I don't like it. It's hard, but I made the commitment, and I have a friend who told me it'll be worth it when you cross the finish line, and he's around my age. And I'm trusting that he's right. I'm believing he knows what he's talking about because he's done several marathons, and I've talked to him about it. Well, here's the four things this passage says clearly, very quickly. I go through these things. This is kind of a paraphrase of these. The first one is, the evidence of faith is courage. This is about faith. It's about operating system of faith. We've often been taught incorrectly about faith, and we think sometimes that faith if I have enough, will make the world operate the way that I want it to. I'll get the miracle when and how much I want it. This person will do what I'd like them to do. This day will turn out the way that I wish. If I have enough faith, well, that's not biblical. Now, often I may receive a miracle, and I have received them. Great things happen because people follow Christ, but the evidence of faith is not the miracle that I want or life to happen the way that I wish, or things to go the way that I would like them to do, it's about having courage of my convictions. That's what faith is, having courage to follow Christ, whatever the sacrifice that I might be called to make. And there I find the peace and joy and rewards that I'm really looking for in life, which is nothing to do with miracles or stuff. The Bible teaches. Think about who Jesus was and the one we choose to follow for Christians. 
Well, secondly, this wind does call for dumping the trash. It says, lay aside those things that the encumbrances that interfere with this journey or the sin that damages it. Because you can't win if you're carrying those things around. You have to decide to drop those things. Let them lay, lay them aside. The wind calls for dumping that trash. How serious are we about the life of faith? These things that we said we wanted. I want to have a walk with Christ. I want to have a life of prayer. I want to know the Bible and engage God through Scripture in a holy way. You know, I want my kids to know faith too. And my family, my friends, the world that I live in, my church family, and all those we influence through their own faith. Wind calls for dumping the trash. Sometimes hard for us to do. Number three, we have to know where we want to go. To know where we want to go. And we said it. We said as a church in our reveal survey, if you're new here, just join us in this simple survey we did some years ago. We said we want to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. That's where I want to go. I want to, I want to pray. I want to read the Bible. I want to be a Christian man or woman. That's what I want. We said where we want to go. And again, I'll tell you the story about my friend Stan who said after running several marathons, and he's my age, and he, and he runs slow too. He said it's worth it when you see the finish line. Marathon. 26.2 miles, and you cross it. I'm believing he's right. I'm believing he knows what he's talking about. The Bible says, look at the witnesses that surround us. Chapter 11 is a list of those people that tell us how they live by faith, the reward and what they received, the blessings of life that was the end of life and the heaven that they went to. Look at these witnesses of, of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and David, and Isaiah, and others. Look at them also says, consider Jesus. Consider Jesus. Where do you want to go? Number four, consider the Christ and never give up. Consider the Christ and never give up. And here, in a minute, we're going to be having communion. We're going to consider the Christ in about a personal way as you can get. My body broken, my blood shed for you. And to receive that blessing of God's grace so magnanimously given to us. Consider that as you choose to commit to follow me. Understand what the journey of faith is about in this operating system that we are called to live upon. I'm going to give another illustration as well that I really love this, this illustration. It's been a personal one for me that I'm simply going to share with you. I'm a history guy. I like, the history, I like history a lot. And, and uh, I'm my guess is most of you have been to San Antonio and the Alamo. How many have been and seen the Alamo in person? Not that big of a deal, is it, when you go there? Oh, that's not what I... Well, a lot of it's gone now. A lot of the surrounding walls are gone, but it's still a great story. In fact, it's a story so well known, it is a worldwide story. Most of the world has heard about the Alamo in Texas because of what it entails, now, you've probably seen one or two or more of the Alamo movies. A recent one came out that they say was more historically accurate. I've seen the Alamo stories on the History Channel going into I've read about it, uh, trying to sort out this and that and the other and who killed Davy Crockett and that kind of stuff. Uh, but I still, for some reason, like the John Wayne movie the best. I know it takes dramatic license. I know it's not historically accurate, but I still like the movie because the, in a way, the way that it ends. And it ends really toward the end about a guy uh, named Jim Bowie. And now Jim Bowie was Colonel Jim Bowie. 
Uh, and he, uh, of course, is the creator of the Bowie knife. And he was really tagged to be the commander of the Alamo garrison of Texan volunteers. That's what his job was. But he got sick. Some think maybe it's tuberculosis, some maybe the flu, maybe pneumonia. They don't know, but he got sick. And he found himself in a back room in the Alamo major building itself uh, there on a bed as the battle is ensuing all around him. But he'd made a commitment to be there, and he was there. The movie goes like this toward the end. Uh, uh, the, the opposing army breaks into the room, and there he is on the bed. If you remember the scene, if you've ever seen it, he has a, a gun in each hand, and he has a bowie knife on his lap. And there kind of is the end of the movie as his life is taken from him. And he sacrifices for Texas, you know, for his, his co-soldiers his co, uh, that were there. And for all everybody who has benefited from Texas independence and now statehood. Well, here's, not, here's my illustration. Somebody's got to be Jim Bowie. Somebody, somebody's got to be that guy or that woman. Somebody has to be that person. Somebody has to have the faith and the courage to be there for their marriage, for their family, for their friends, for their church, for their community and their country and their world and their co-workers and their employees and their boss. Somebody has to say, I'll be that guy. I'll be, the, I'll be that one. Because that's where our operation of faith leads. At least of that if we don't want to go there, then we can never live by faith because that's where faith is going to go. That's where it's going to take us. That's what it's going to call us to do. And while we slide back into operating systems of worry and fear and greed and selfishness, because we don't want that. Or we're not sure we want that. Or maybe I can't do that. Maybe that's not me. And so we find ourselves not saying, I'm going to be that person. That's really where this moves to today as we think about a new year and living by faith and saying, I'm going to be that guy. I'm going to be that woman. I'm going to be that person of faith. I'm going to, I'm going to engage Christ. I'm going to engage the Bible. I'm going to engage prayer. I'm going to share this with others, and I'm going to live that way, and people can count on me in this new year. There is where you will experience God in a way that many of you never have. And say, so this is what a life of faith is about. Will you pray with me, please? Heavenly Father, we thank you for the words you give us today. We appreciate them. We have to admit, God, that for many of us, our system of life is not faith. It's fear. We're afraid of everything that happens around us. It could be overseas somewhere we're afraid be on the news and we're afraid. could be in my own house and I'm afraid. For many of us, God, our system is, is anxiety. Worry is how we operate. We can't seem to escape it, God. We so naturally are inclined to worry. It's where we've learned to live somehow, some way. For some, it's an addiction. It's how we operate. We are drawn and consumed by it. And faith is left to the side for us. Today, God, we ask you to help us to live by faith, that faith, God, be reflected in the courage to follow you every aspect of life. Make it so in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.